All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Smoking from the Sidelines. A little bit different today. It's a solo podcast. Kenny, he's up north. He went to go with family. You know what I'm saying? Go, go enjoy the sights out there. Have a nice little 4th of July weekend. So, you know, all the love to him. Hope he's having some safe travels. You know what I'm saying? Hope he's having a good-ass time. But your boy is at home. My girl's working. I'm bored as fuck. Alexis left. So I thought I'd just run this podcast by myself, try something new. I mean, who knows how it goes. Hopefully it goes good. Hopefully, guys, don't get too annoyed at me because I'm already getting annoyed at myself. (laughs) So, all right. UFC 264. Let's kick it off right there. Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor, the trilogy. The fucking trilogy, man. We... We all needed this fight. Like, real shit, how do you go two fights, one, one, and then you're not going to get that third fight? Like, that would have been such a teaser, and especially at the moment right now that I think Dustin, Poirier, and Connor, like, this is such a pinnacle moment for both of them. Like, it's so important because if, if Poirier loses this fight, he could potentially not get a title shot later on down the line. You never know. He can go on a crazy-ass skid. You never know, honestly. But, like... He's in such great form, such great form that, like, it's it's hard, man. Honestly, it's going to be hard for Conor McGregor to, like, to go out there and impose his will without having to face some adversity. That's going to be tough for sure because Poirier, one thing about him is he can fucking give it out, dish it out, and he can take that shit too. He's faced adversity before. He's even lost rounds to, to Hooker. He lost, like, two rounds in the beginning. Ended up coming back and sweeping him the last three. Killing it, killing the game. So you can't count Poirier out ever, honestly. But Connor, we'll see if Connor's back, honestly. We'll see if he got his cardio back, if he's able to check those leg kicks, and if he's able to even to make it a different fight. Because if he fights the way he did last time on that boxing stand, stay, staying too close to Poirier, not really respecting Poirier enough, I think he's going to have some trouble. But also that's where he succeeds so much is being in those dangerous positions. Because Poirier said it best. Poirier even said, like, Connor knows what he's doing. Like, he's so good and so skilled at what he's doing. Like, he puts himself in the riskiest positions just to get those knockouts, you know, to go for those finishes, which is which is true. It's 100% true. Connor is one of those people that's going to bring you the show regardless. I feel like there's going to be a finish coming up with this fight. I really do. I really think that Poye can get the finish again. I'm, I'm not saying that that's the person I'm, like, rooting for. This fight is, like, a... One of those fights I'm not so invested in until I'm, like, all right, I want this dude to win so bad, you know, because both of them... Either way, honestly, if either one wins, the division is going to look so cool. Poirier is going to look... It'd be dope to have him versus Charles. Oh, what would be it? That'd be an amazing matchup just for the fact that they've been in the UFC for a long time. They're two guys that have worked so fucking hard for that shit. And it'd be just like... Like, that would be another fight that would be so hard to choose between the two, honestly. And if Conor wins... Shit, you never know. Every fight with Connor fights, every fight that Connor fights is a big money fight. It's a big show. So I'd be excited to just see him do good. And and I honestly, I would be amazed if Connor does win and he gets that W. I would be, I'd be amazed. I'd be like, wow, he came back after losing. He came back and got the win. Like he had his moments in the first fight. So it's not completely impossible. Honestly, it's like, it's, it's there. It's there. So we'll see if Connor can get it. Honestly, I know a lot of people that are rooting for Connor. Hector, I know you're going for Connor. And then a lot of us, like Lala, I think you're going for Poirier and stuff. So a couple of the friends. So if you guys got Poirier or you got Connor, honestly, comment down below. Let me know what you guys think about this fight because this shit's going to be a banger. We'll move on to the co main event. Another fucking banger. Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. If you guys don't know Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, a G. A G. He's fought for the belt twice, although it didn't go his way. 
two times. He is an amazing fighter. He's one of the hardest puzzles to figure out in the UFC. I feel like within the UFC, there's so many top guys, but he has to be one of the guys that's... I want to say people overlook him and people are afraid to fight him. But whenever he does go out there, you could tell, man, like people have such a hard time with him. His takedown defense is pretty good. His ground game is pretty good. His striking game is just above everyone else. Honestly, he's one of the best strikers in the game. I want to say, I was going to say, if not the best striker, but there's so many people that are good ass strikers, honestly. Just Wonder Boy, he's the best karate guy in the game, though, honestly. Like his ability to use that hopping side kick and like just his, all his unique kicks and just his skills are just. They're they're deadly. They're deadly. If you don't respect Wonderboy and like give him the time of day, like you're gonna end up getting yourself caught. And Gilbert Burns is someone that he's coming off a loss to Kamaru Usman. This is his first fight back, so he needs to prove something to himself, especially. He needs to prove to himself that he can come back and get those W's, you know what I'm saying? Because this is a a number five ranked Gilbert Burns and a number four ranked Steven Thompson at the moment. So I think Gilbert Burns has a really good chance at winning this if he's able to like implement his ground game and maybe get him on the ground and pound. But to be honest, this one I gotta go with my boy Wonder Boy Thompson. That's my man right there. You know what I'm saying? That's my my G right there, my G rider, the nicest motherfucker in the world. So how how do you go against him? How do you go against him? If you guys look at the countdown, he's over there teaching kids karate and stuff, being a great role model, and like he'd give Kamaru Usman a great fight. Like I, I think if someone said that he wouldn't, that you'd be lying, you know, because one of the things that he said the most too is like in the second one fight, he said the thing that I, that I really regret is not putting the pace enough, you know, like not really going out there and laying it all out there, you know, and this would be his last title shot. Chances are you don't get four title shots, you know, and then you lose all three or all four rather. Nah, nah, you're not going to get that one. But nevertheless, Wonderboy can go out there and get a big win versus Burns. If he can get a finish versus Burns, this looks very good for him going into, like, being a title contender. It looks like the UFC is going to go with Kamaru Usman versus Kobe Covington. So, I mean, Wonderboy Thompson as the next runner-up, or, if, I mean, who the fuck else are we going to give him? Because he's been killing out everybody else that's supposed to go up into the top five to be, like, a contender. You know, he's pretty much cleaned up everybody that can be a contender. And now he finally actually faces someone that was just a contender. So... Why not give him the title shot next? That's what I'm really hoping for. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is going to be my pick on the co-main event. We'll move down the card. It's going to be Tai Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. Mm, let me take a sip from my cup real quick. Honestly, you guys got to check this out. Look at the little shit I got yesterday. Whoops, sorry. Check this shit out. I got this at a thrift store. I found it. Shit, Colin. Look, it's closes. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another. <laughs> All right, so let's go back on to the card. Tai Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. Let's let's go into their records a little bit. Honestly, let's check them out because Greg Hardy is seven three and zero. Um, he's ranked pretty low in the division. He's not really ranked high, so I can't really. I don't want to go off that. But let's go to Tai Tuivasa's record really quickly. So his last fight was canceled. Uh, but the two fights before that, he beat Stefan Struve with, with the punches in the first round. I do remember that. I, I believe Stefan Struve ended up going to retire after that fight. He beat Harry Hunsucker as well, an, overright, an overhand right, and then he finished him with a ground and pound in the first round too. 
So, I mean, two impressive finishes back-to-back, but Harry Hunsucker, I believe he came in last minute, super last minute, honestly, wasn't really prepared, and he looked a little bit undersized as well. The three fights before that, he was on a losing streak. Three losses. He lost to Sergei Spivak, Blagoj Ivanov, and then Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos, not a bad one to lose to, but he did get finished twice in those three losses. The Blagoj Ivanov one was the only one that went to decision. So, I mean, he's on his way back up, getting his work a lot better together. One of his biggest issues was his wrestling That back in the day. He was having a hard time wrestling. He was getting taken down in his losses and getting controlled. The two... Two of his losses, one of them, he got taken down, controlled on the floor. He couldn't really get up or do anything. And then the other one, he ended up getting submitted. But this time, he's not... I would say he has better help with wrestling and not getting to the floor. He's been working at ATT. I believe so, yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. Not ATT. AKA with Daniel Cormier. I remember Daniel Cormier saying that before the quarantine and everything, he had already been out there. So he's been out there for quite some time now. Working, working his wrestling, getting a lot better. It looked like it showed his last fight. I mean, even his last two, let's say, just his patience and his composure and putting everything together and actually, like, getting the finishes together, together. <laughs> but, yeah, so he's actually really good, honestly. I like Taito Ivasa. It's just he's been one of those guys that, like, it's an up-and-down career, and he's still very early in his career. It's pretty young as well, so you never know what can happen with him. Greg Hardy, another guy that's 7-3-0. He's had uh, some pretty weird, a pretty weird career in the UFC so far. He's had like two decisions, or sorry, two fights that are pretty much get like overturned, canceled. You know, just some crazy shit happens. Uh, the inhaler gate thing that happens. So let's go down his record really quickly. His last fight, he lost to ground and pound to Marcin Tybora. Marcin Tybora is really good, so that's not a knock on his helmet. Um, he's a really good fighter. Marcin is a he ended up making him 7-3-0. He was 7-2-0 before that. So he had also beat Maurice Green, and he beat Jorgen DeCastro. Those are two good wins, honestly. He beat Jorgen DeCastro by decision. Jorgen has since been released from the UFC. Uh, Maurice Green, he won, but the power jab, to, and he ended up uh, getting that ground and pound in. But he also lost to Volkov before that. So let's see. So let's go down his record in the UFC. So this is... His first fight in the UFC, lost due to an illegal knee. He ended up winning his next two fights off something good. And then inhaler gate happens against Ben Sassoli. And then after that, he steps up last minute to fight Volkov after, I believe it's like Alistair or Watt Hare or something happened at the time. And um, he stepped up. And he actually performed pretty well. Like, I was actually very surprised at how he performed. And, like, he's really, he, he has some talent. He can work on it a lot more. He is a little bit older in his age, but he does have a good mentor in Rashad Evans. So that should be really good. That should just be really good to see what he does with that. Honestly, if he can keep going and like and get his game together, but I'm I don't know. I mean, this is definitely going to be a striking match, unless if Greg Hardy really really wants to go for the takedowns and try to implement some ground and pound over the what I'm assuming is going to be the smaller tie to Ivasa just off frame size, you know. Um, I want to say with this one, I want to go with Ty. I really do want to go with Ty to Ivasa just with his hands and stuff, but <clears throat> something's making me think that Greg Hardy's going to win, which is like, I'm not saying I don't like him, honestly. I just, yeah, I'd just rather not comment. Uh, I, I honestly, 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't give you guys a choice on this one. I'm just going to say that this is going to be for sure someone's going to get finished. At least I'm hoping because, you know, those heavyweight fights, either someone gets finished or it goes to decision and it's a boring decision. So I'm just hoping for a good fight on this one. Um, no real big picks on this one. So we'll go down the card again to Irene Aldana versus Irene Aldana, actually. I think that's how you say it. And Yana Kunitsukaya. Yana Kunitsukaya, she's the sixth rate bantamweight in the world. Irene Aldana is number three in the world. Irene is 12, 6, and 0. Yana is 14, 5, and 0. So Irene is one that I was going to say she's she's a girl that they consider a top contender, like someone that they really were hyping up for a while, making them seem like she was going to be the next title contender, you know, like she was on a hot streak coming up. The only thing is that she just lost her last fight to Holly Holm. And Holly Holm actually took her down pretty often, and then that's how she ended up winning the decision. And when she was on the feet, she was smart. Holly Holm was so smart, picking Aldana apart, sticking and moving, not getting caught too much in the brawl. And she just overall had a really good performance. I'm hoping that she gets her shit a little bit more together because she had two big finishes before that. Well, two big wins. She beat Vanessa Mello, and she starched Caitlin Vera with that left hook. If you guys go look at her highlights, that shit's preposterous. Uh, but she did lose to Raquel Pennington. So the only thing is that Irene Aldana has faced a little bit of trouble when she faces the top contenders in her division. And the girls have a lot that have a lot of experience and that are really smart. So Yana is someone that's been in the UFC for quite some time. Let's go over her record really quickly. Um, it feels like she's been in the UFC for quite some time. I'm not sure. But she is with Thiago Santos. That's like the most memorable thing. Thiago Santos is a 185. No, sorry. Light heavyweight contender. <clears throat> Most notable for fighting John Jones, getting his two ACs blown out or two ACLs blown out. Actually, rather than that, I think he like tore so much shit in his knees. I mean, God, that's that's a bad situation. I feel so bad for that guy, but thankfully he was able to come back pretty quickly, even though he didn't go his way against Rakic. But let's go into Yana Kunitskaya's record really quickly. So, um, her last fight she won against Caitlin Vieira. She actually had a really good performance actually against that one. And then she also beat Julia Stolarenko. She got two decision wins, and then she lost to Aspen Ladd. And I think she lost. Oh no, no, I was gonna say fairly quickly, but she actually lost in the round round three. So pretty uh, later on in the fight, and she lost to Chris Cyborg in the past two. She had beat Marianne Renault and Lena Landsberg in between those two losses. So let's see. Okay, okay. So nothing too crazy. She does have two losses in the UFC, but she does have four wins. So she's four and two in the UFC. Mm, this is gonna be a tough fight, honestly. Irene, I'm assuming it's gonna be a stand-up fight, but Yana has the ability to take her down as well, kind of get implement her ground and pound too. But I'm gonna go with the Mexican-born fighter Irene Aldana. I think this is the year of the Mexican fighters. We got Brandon Moreno leading the way, so hopefully she comes through with a big performance. All right, so a fight that's very, very, very interesting. Very interesting for many ways. Mm, you know what? Maybe I'm over-speaking it a little bit, but I just think it's interesting, the whole background to this. So Sean O'Malley, he's going to fight Chris Moutinho. He was originally scheduled to fight Luis Smoka, who ended up getting staph infection and pulling out of the fight. So many contenders put their name in the bucket to be called for this fight to see if they could get the chance to fight Sean O'Malley and pick up all that momentum and all that hype that he has around him 
and steal the show, you know, like, and go on. There was Marabdi Wallace-Willi, Ricky Simon. I seen Tim Elliott call him out. I seen Brian Kelleher call him out. So many fighters in the UFC that are pretty big names. And honestly, I thought that Chan, Chan, that Chan was going to choose it. He was going to sh- choose that one. Honestly, I thought he was going to choose, like, someone that's a top contender. Just someone that's a name, you know, just to kind of get him out there and stuff. But he ended up going with Chris Moutinho. So part of me makes me, part of this makes me feel like it's not his decision. It's the UFC's decision. Like, they're the one that, like, I feel like they're the ones that, like, really, really did this for him. To kind of protect him a little bit, you know, to keep him safe. Because you never know what can happen if he fights one of those top contenders last minute. Will it just go downhill for him? There's someone, He's someone that they're still trying to build up right now. He's a big contender, big a big name for the UFC, you know. Someone that can uh, can do a lot down the line for them, big money-wise, big numbers-wise. Because he has a big following. He has his podcast. He has uh, merch that he sells. And just overall, he's a very entertaining character in some aspects. So I feel like people really, really uh, gravitate towards him. And especially his fighting style. He's a striker, a flashy striker nonetheless. And he's a finisher. He's like someone that likes to get the knockouts, someone that likes to get up to finishes, uh, not really goes to decision, you know. So Chris Moutinho is someone that's barely coming into the UFC. He's 9-4-0, so this is going to be his debut into the UFC. I'm not saying this is a setup fight for for Sean, but I think that for sure it's going to be... it's going to be all on him to lose. So if if he loses, that's bad for him. It's super bad. Someone coming into the UFC that's fairly unknown, he really has to go out there and get a big finish for me to like really be impressed with him. Because if he just gets a decision, then it's going to make me be more impressed with Chris Moutinho than him at all. So, Sean, I hope you get that W, man. You're 13-1-0 right now. You're sit-rake 16. I'm hoping you get that dub, bro. I'm hoping you get that dub. So let me take one more sip. So, wait, what? That does the main card? The main card is uh, not the best. It's not, like, completely trash or whatever, but it's for sure not the best. We'll go on to the prelims. So, I just want there is a couple fights on here that I want to give you guys some information about. See if you guys, you know, watch that shit. Make sure you get on the card early. Max Griffin, Carlos Conde. That's the featured prelim. I'm hoping it's going to be a good fight. Honestly, Max Griffin is a striker. Carlos Conde is a striker. He can mix it up as well. So this is a this is an interesting fight. Just for the fact that like Carlos is older in his career. He's the younger guy now. Or sorry, he's an older guy now. So he's not he's not so um He's not so new to the game. He's been around for quite a minute. And I thought they would give him, like, older people, you know, older fights. Because he just fought Matt Brown. And is Matt Brown or Tim? Give me one second. Let me go check exactly his name. I don't know why sometimes I get confused with the coach from ATT. So I just, like, be saying their name, you know. I'm like, what am I saying, baby? What am I saying? It is Matt Brown, actually. All right. So, yeah, Matt Brown. He beat, he beat Matt Brown. I was like, what? He beat Jake Ellenberger? But. He beat him in submission underground. I didn't know that he was just there not so long ago. So, yeah. He's on a three-fight winning streak, Carlos Condit is. He beat Court McGee. He beat Matt Brown. I mean, he's going to fight Max Griffin. Max Griffin of the three is the one that has the youngest career in the UFC. Court McGee has been on 
the ultimate fighter. He was in the UFC for, he's probably been in the UFC for like four or five years at least. Max Griffin, only been in for a couple of years now. Um, I really want Carlos Conor to win, but Max is the younger guy. Skill-wise, I don't know if he's as skilled as Carlos. Carlos is so fucking good, man. Like, he's, back in his heyday, he was a motherfucking monster, honestly. And I still think he has those spurts and those moments where he shows that he is a monster. It's just, it's going to be a big test to see if he can put it together, especially against the young guy that um, this could be a fight that props him up and gives him a bigger name and, like, has that that pretty Carlos Condon name on his record, you know? So this is going to be an interesting one for that fact. Um, I'm going to hope that my boy Carlos Condon pulls it out. We'll see. We'll see. Nico Price versus Michelle Pajeda. A weird, weird fight. Not a weird fight in the way that, like, it's going to be, like, trash, but more weird in, like, they're two funky guys. Like, Michelle Pajeda, he's the guy that's known for doing flips in the cage Ends up losing that fight. Just does crazy stuff all around. Like, the whole fight, we kind of... He makes a big show out of it, you know? He seems like someone that does that. I think he does, actually. He does capoeira. And, you know, he's kind of doing, like, those movements and stuff. And then he's fighting Nico Price. A very, very unorthodox striker. Someone that's very unique as well in his own way. Super funny. Super, like... You always have a good time when Nico Price fights. You never want to miss out on that shit. That shit's good. It's always very entertaining. So I think this is going to be for sure a banger. I feel like someone's going to get finished in this. If someone doesn't get finished, I'd be very surprised. Um, Although Nico is one of my favorite fighters just because of how he is and his character and his personality, I do think that Michelle is going to be able to pull this away because he is very, very good. He's very skilled, and he's a clean striker when he really tries to be. In his last fight, when he tried to fight more measured and more controlled, so much better. His performance was amazing, like... That's what I think he needs to do more often than not is get it's just fight simple, bro. You don't got to be doing all this extra shit at this point in the game. Like I know you said he wants to to bring the show, you know, entertain the people and stuff like that. But like get the win first, get the win first and then show off later or something or show off in between. But just get the win first and don't gas yourself out doing stupid shit pretty much. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting fight right there. Teresa's uh, this. Plusius. Yeah, I'm going I'm to skip on to that fight. But Ryan Hall versus Elia Teporia. Oh, my God. If you guys aren't watching the prelims, watch the prelims for this shit right here. Ryan Hall hasn't been able to get a fight for quite some time. He's been having people duck him because he's a little shy, silent killer. You know what I mean? He has, like, that Brazilian black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he's a fucking ace on the ground. You don't want to get nowhere near him because he's going to just mop you up down there. But he is fighting a guy in Elia Teporia that's, Coming up right now, he's a young contender that's just been in the UFC maybe a couple fights now. But he's made an impression so far. Amazing impression. His striking is so clean. His ground game is so clean. He has good wrestling. His ability, his takedown defense is also solid. So if he doesn't want to get taken down. So this is going to be a really big test for Ryan Hall. We'll see if his hands are all there because Aliyah Tapoya's hands are definitely there. If he keeps it on the feet the whole time and he's not able to get him down, uh, it's going to be a big test for, for Ryan Hall. We're going to have to see where his hands are at right now. I haven't seen him fight in so long that I don't really even remember how he fights. I'd have to go back right now and go study him a little bit to just see how his hands are. Because as of right now, Leah Teporia seems like he'd be the favorite to me. Honestly, I'm going to have to double check and see what it is. But, but he seems like he'd be the favorite right now. He's 10-0. and Ryan Hall is 8-1-0. So this is going to be one really good fight in the featherweight division. If your guys aren't watching, like I said, you need to watch this fight right here. 
Let me know what you guys for sure think about this one in the comments. If you could drop below a comment on just who you think is going to win on this one, let me know because this shit's going to be a fucking banger right there. Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. That's another good fight right there. It's uh, number four ranked Jennifer Maya who just had a title shot. Jessica I, number ninth ranked. She also had a title shot in the past two. But when you're fighting in the division of Shevchenko, the one of the most dominant fucking champions ever and one of the biggest killers in the UFC, just in general. And then being a female, she fucking dominates that division. So, uh, no no, no bad love on them. Salga Samagulov. I think that's the guy that... Oh, no, no, no. He's a flyweight. No, wait. Wait, yeah, what? I think he used to fight flyweight. And I think he's going to fight, like, featherweight or bantamweight. No, no, no. They're fighting at 125. Okay, that's weird. They have Jerome Rivera as like a uh, featherweight for some reason. But it's going to be uh, Simugula versus Jerome Rivera and then Amadowski versus Yaunson who for the rest of the card. It should be pretty cool. Um, of course, the biggest things are going to be the Poirier fight, the Gilbert Burns fight. Those will be the big ones. And then Ilya Teporia, that Ryan Hall, that's one that you definitely do not want to miss. So real quickly, let's just go over some MMA news, some shit that's been happening during the week. That's just, like, random, you know what I'm saying? Like, for one thing that I really want to talk about is the booking of Gon versus Derek Lewis for the interim title. Three months removed from Francis Ngannou winning the title, they made an interim title. This all coming from <sighs> madness, really, really. Ngannou wanted the John Jones fight. John Jones wanted the fight. He just didn't get enough money, and he did. He wanted to, to stay stubborn, stay strong on that. Not in a bad way, stay stubborn, but he's trying to get his money. He's well-deserved. You know, he's been a champion for 10 years. A lot of people consider him the GOAT. They know he says, I consider him the GOAT, but he doesn't want to pay him. doesn't want to pay what numbers he wants. And when it comes to the negotiations, it's always seemed a little bit weird. Like, they don't ever really talk right. John's come out publicly to talk about it. Dana's come out publicly to talk about it. So they don't make that fight. So I'm thinking, all right, they're going to make Ngannou versus Lewis because that's what Dana White has said so many fucking times. He said, no, uh, Lewis is going to get the next fight for sure. No matter what, he's going to get the next fight. So I'm thinking, all right, let's just wait around for this fight. You know, we're going to wait around for the, the Derek Lewis versus uh, Ngannou fight. And I ain't mad at that. That's a good fight. Derek Lewis, I like him too. He's a good fighter. He makes it very interesting. But for them to do... Gone versus Derek Lewis. I feel like that's so fucking disrespectful to Francis Ngannou. He went, he went like two years without getting another title shot. Just being held up with the whole Stipe and Koimier uh, trilogy, just kind of being caught right there. He didn't get no interim title, nothing like that. It took him a year, a year plus. Three months later, they make an interim title for him. Rather than give him, just give him Derek Lewis. They booked the fight with Gon and Derek, or yeah, Gon and Derek Lewis for August. He said he would be ready in September, bro. Said he'd be ready in September. Just give him some fucking time. Like, what? I don't see why Dana does shit like that. Like, I really don't understand. And then for him to go out publicly and kind of like bash his managing agency and just like his manager and stuff, saying how like. That he's a fucking idiot, that he doesn't know what he's doing, that he he's he's acting dumb, that he thinks he's shocked because 
he had all this other stuff going on and, he, and then he responded the manager responded like no i'm shocked like we talked about this we even said that we'd be good to go a month later and then all this comes as a surprise to me and i don't blame them man honestly you don't want to see some shit like that to someone especially francis and who's such a good champion such a good guy just in general like that makes me sad they're really trying to make my boy go out sad like Nah, nah, fuck all that shit. I really hope that he ends up getting his um his money's worth the next time around. Which is like this is such a bullshit move because like now I feel like they're really, really trying to force him to fight Gone, you know? Cause if he was trying to hold down, trying to get that that John Jones fight, which is like the only thing I can think of in my head, like what the fuck? Why would this be like your only option? You know what I'm saying? Like why would this be the the thing you go for? Like I really I don't know. It just kinda threw me off a lot. I just really was not expecting that shit, honestly. It was it was very disappointing, but the UFC always, always does shit like that. They're always disappointing. Like when it's a big fight you really want to see, UFC does a very good job of making them happen. But lately when it seems like if fighters want money, if they want a good amount of money, if they want to be involved in this. They get turned the cold shoulder, and they get treated very badly, which is going to be very bad for the UFC, especially right now that fighter pay is such a big topic. I mean, there's another fighter who had a fucking GoFundMe created, Sarah Alpar, just to to fund herself pretty much, to get everything going for herself, which I think is crazy. Like, how are you going to be in the UFC, one of the top promotions in the world, and you're still, you're like not able to really support yourself, give yourself money. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a little too out of pocket for me. Like, you should be making good enough money regardless, no matter what part of the company you're in, you know? And maybe it is that these guys should do the Muhammad Ali act and then get themselves some more money. I'm not too familiar with all that stuff, but I just think that would be very, very interesting, honestly. So why not go with that one, honestly? Uh, Let's see. Let's see if we can find a little bit more news down here, all right? Joe Schilling. So Joe Schilling is a former UFC fighter, someone that's been around in the game for a bit, for a minute. I mean, he fought in glory as well, glory kickboxing. He was at a bar recently. I'll try to see if you, Alexis can post a video right here really quickly. We'll check it. It'd be right here right now. Like, He's in a bar. He goes outside, he says to go smoke a cigarette there's a guy in the bar that had been drinking apparently um he called the 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 bartender or something like that the n-word and the the bartender was very offended and then he accidentally like bumps into him to joe Schilling, and he ends up calling joe Schilling, like calling him back and then if, if you guys see the video like joe Schilling, as soon as that guy tries to pump fake him bop, 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 like you don't do that to a killer bro i'm sorry you don't do that to a killer joe Schilling. one of the funniest things i saw though is that joe Schilling said that he was afraid for his life which is amazing defense for the courts amazing <laughs> if you're gonna say that like that's the perfect way to say like that you were just self-defending like you know like straight self-defense because you were afraid for your life bro you're like what could have happened right there you know what i mean like that's a very interesting one right there. Honestly, I would have done the same thing if I was fucking Joe Schilling. I would have been like, bro, get the fuck out of here. Especially get get out of my face with all this dumb shit that you're doing already. 
Conor McGregor and Poirier, they're doing a lot of shit talking. They're doing a lot of shit talking leading up to this. I feel like it's going to be a different press conference this week. I'm very, very excited to see what happens. Um, we'll see if we get the nice Conor again. I doubt it, though. I doubt it because he has posted a video even saying, like, Dustin's been talking a lot of shit lately, and he's going to regret that. And Dustin, I mean, he has this interview with Brett Okamoto, right? It's a really good interview. You guys should go check it out. Kind of gives you a little bit more details into how he thinks right now, right now. And what I like about it is that he's talking about how, like, yeah, this isn't necessarily a, a trilogy to me. This is a new fight because it's going to be completely different than the last fight. And I agree. I think it is going to be different than the last fight. And he just, he overall has that mentality right now that he looks like he's so fucking game for this shit. And he's so ready. I think it's going to be hard for Conor to, to get past Poirier right now. Poirier's in the top of his career. This is probably the prime of his life. So we'll see if Conor can get it done this week. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very, very hard time for him to get it done, honestly. So <sighs> there's no events next week other than UFC 264 as far as MMA goes. I think there is some boxing fights and some stuff like that as well. So that should be pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you did listen, um, me at me pretty much rant and go off about MMA for a bit. Uh, I do want to do more solo podcasts about stuff. Me and Jester are thinking about starting a, a little sum-sum soon. So we'll see how that goes. If you guys enjoyed this, dude, I'd really appreciate some feedback. Uh, even just a like or just a repost or just some love. You know what I'm saying? That'd be, that'd be dope. I appreciate that because I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you guys have a good day. Enjoy the trip. This is Smoking from the Sidelines. I'm Gio. We out. Peace.